Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. This week, one of my absolute favorite choices uh, that you've selected now almost 100 episodes in. Not because of the album being the great, although it is, but really just because I think that this was a, um, a gaping hole in your fandom. And I think that I, 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 the question for me really at the end, and I'll just kind of lead with it now, is not how much did you like the album, but how much did you love the album? Because I know you're going to like it, but we'll get there. With that long-winded intro, how are you doing? Very good, very good. Um, I got back yesterday from a overnight trip to Toronto and saw um, Nightwish and Beast in Black. And um, man, it was just nice to go see a show. And, and um, it was a really nice venue. Um, I was very impressed with how how clean it was, how new it it was, it was, um, the venue is called, um, I kept forgetting the name history. Um, and so they had like this really cool, like balcony section with seats and stuff that you could get. Um, but also there's like the floor and then there's an elevated section behind that with more floor where like the merch and bar was. And so we just kind of perched, uh, right at the, at the upper floor and just, Kind of just hung out there and and watched um, two great bands. Uh, uh, Beast and Black was phenomenal. Um, I just couldn't stop thinking how much um, them playing at center stage at Prague Power would just blow the socks off of everyone there. Um, they just brought so much energy, and they didn't even have their bass player with them. I guess he came down with COVID, I think. Oh. Um, and so he wasn't there. So um, I don't know if they pre-recorded his parts or what. Um, since a lot of the, the a lot of the like um, keyboard stuff was was pre-recorded anyway. But man, um, you wanted to know if Giannis uh, could sing like that live. I mean, he was phenomenal. And this was after they did, um, you know, pretty much a full U.S. headline tour. And this is like their. Um, Nightwish, I think, is doing nine shows, and and Beast in Black's going to open for those those nine shows and that'll be the end of their North American tour for now. Um, but yeah, um, it, I, I highly recommend anybody who has a chance to see, even if you're not that big of a Nightwish fan, um, man, Beast in Black really, really brought it. Good stuff. I, uh, I'm so jealous. I, I, I was a bit concerned that they would not be able to replicate the energy of that, sound live but it sounds like they really impressed um and and quite frankly i think that they are priming themselves for not only another u.s run of, of headlining shows but for like stardom on, on on a scale with other bands like camelot and delane and hammerfall bands that do consistent u.s runs for basically every album i suspect that they'll be in that class um, going forward just because they've gotten so much momentum. I, they, they only have the three albums, but for some reason they seem to have caught on like wildfire. Yeah. And the fans were very into it. Like it was definitely not a bunch of people with their hands in their pockets waiting for Nightwish to come on. They were, uh, they were amped. Um, and then Nightwish came on and just, uh, man, it, it I have to say it, it, it evoked a lot of, um, a lot of emotions in me because of 
just that lack of of Marco is so glaring, especially when they do a song like Planet Hell um, or Seven Days to the Wolves, um, which are like such great songs, but like just that his um, his his vocals, his his presence, his tone, his presence, all that is so missed. Um, and that's you know, take nothing away from. Their uh, their new bassist I, I don't know his name off the top of my head I know that they um they got him from Winter Sun just like they got um their 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 drummer after Yuka uh you know uh, left the band um but there just um there just seems to be something something a little bit missing that said um they still just they still put on just such a hell of a show um that combination of like just that classical and symphonic style with the with the metal and um just all the the cool i love like all of the 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 pipes and all the stuff that troy does and um tuomas is still just an absolute beast on the keyboards and and floor i mean who we're gonna talk about for most of this episode um you know she just the way she just comes out and does finishes things or the second to last song was um ghost love score and it's uh, just like I, I never get tired of hearing her sing that song live it's just uh it's just incredible and and i thought it was a nice mix uh, i think they played five songs from the the human nature album but everything else was a nice mix of, of um stuff from as early as ocean born and 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 throughout um you know their the career of nightwish you know dark uh i believe did they play dark chest of wonders um i'm pretty sure they did um st- you know story time there was just a lot of uh just a lot of really like good heavy nightwish songs and, and um they did you know had um a, a little uh quiet section with there was just um floor singing and um it was a floor in troy i'm trying to remember i had a few drinks um but it was uh it it was just uh it was just great like it's it, i did feel like there was something a little bit missing but at the same time i still really enjoyed it and, and i think i had mentioned to somebody on my uh facebook who who said you know um it's not uh how is it without um marco and i said you know i don't i don't miss taria i don't miss Annette, but i miss marco i mean so that's I feel like Floor has like just done such a great job um be- becoming the new voice of Nightwish that I don't yearn for the old days but um her and Marco together were like, such a magic combination and it's just like I don't know it just stinks that um that he's not in the band anymore and I don't know maybe in the future they'll get back together or something but um again uh I feel like that's a little bit nitpicky because like they're production is so so polished at this point um and it's just uh it's really just it was, i just enjoyed the hell out of it even though that little caveat um aside uh it was just a phenomenal good and, and it was a a decent like decent length they played 17 songs um i mean it was it was meaty so uh all in all definitely worth the three hour drive and the cross crossing over the border to uh to see um, Nightwish, I think they played for like two and a half hours. That's awesome. That I uh, like. I said I, I have no doubt, having seen them live a bunch of times, 
we'll talk about Flora a lot, obviously, in this episode. It's kind of a perfect segue into what you know this this week is about. But I, I think the reason you don't miss Tarya and the and the reason you don't miss Annette is because Flora can do both styles perfectly, and it's like. What, what, if they ever went on a reunion tour with all the singers, they don't really need to bring them back because Floor can do both styles so perfectly well. It's, it's kind of interesting, but, um, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I will definitely catch them on the next tour. Mother's Day is the New York City show and it's just not in the cards. So, um, but by the time this come out, it comes out, they'll have played, uh, the, the night before. So, uh, you know, to all those going, enjoy. I will catch them on the next tour. And like I said, Beast in Black. We'll be back as well, so I look forward to that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, being that the tour is as short as it is, and I've seen Nightwish do this before, chances are they'll probably go back to Europe, do the festival tour, you know, the festival block, um, and then I wouldn't be shocked if even before the end of the year there's another U.S. tour, if not um, sometime next year. Um, and, I would agree. And I and Beast in Black, I could kind of see. I can kind of see them going like the Delane route where they just kind of open for a bunch of different, more established bands until they're, until they're big enough to, although, I mean, they just did a full U S tour pretty much headlining. So, I mean, maybe they're just going to be a headline band going forward, which I think is incredible considering that I don't really know that did they, I don't think they ever even did like a, a supporting gig in the States. I think this was pretty much their first, U.S. tour and they were they played headlining one it. show in Montreal and that was like it and even that I think was like a forty minute set or something like that. So this yeah because that's a, that was a festival I believe. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah but so, just, um, um, yeah, like all, you, yeah. yeah, like you said, I think the sky's the limit for for those those guys and they were also just very um, infectious in their in their energy on stage and um, you know Giannis getting everybody like excited. He he's definitely. Um, a very charismatic front man. And um, it, it's kind of cool. Like I, I like that, at least for me, I'm a big fan of that, both them and battle beast. And now there's two really cool bands that are kind of in that style. So, uh, you know, I like it. The more the merrier. Awesome. I love it. I just want to mention two quick, quick uh, albums that, well, really an album and an EP that came out that I thought were uh, worth mentioning. The first uh, is an album that came out on April 29th. The band is called Empire Springs. The album is called The Luminescence. They are a prog rock band uh, from the hotbed of Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, but wow. this was a really cool album. I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. It's worth checking out. I'll post the song this week. And another band uh, that I have enjoyed for many years now is a Greek progressive metal band called Mother of Millions. And I bring this up because if you're a fan of stuff like Caligula's Horse or Haken, I think you will eat up Mother of Millions. And they just came out with a new EP um, called Orbit. It's short. It's really an intro with three tracks afterwards, but it's definitely worth checking out. I'll post something there as well. I know we always talk about our EP of the year. This is definitely in the running and probably the best EP that I've heard thus far in 2022. Very nice. Uh, but let's let's get into the reason why we are here, which is After Forever, uh, a band that has been around for some time, releases their self-titled album, their fifth album in 2007, and then basically goes dormant after touring for this album. Uh, it, it's it's 
it was bittersweet. And, and I have to say the reason I select, you, you know, you, you left it open. And the reason I chose this particular album is because if you go back to the older stuff, there is a lot of cool material. It's very classically inspired, very heavy. But this album I thought was the most infectious and radio friendly of the lot. And, and I say that in a good way. It's kind of a good introduction, in my opinion, to symphonic metal. And I'm curious if you had the same experience when you listened to this. And I, and I have a feeling – we haven't talked about it. But I have a feeling you listened to this more than once this week. I listened to it more than once today. <laughs> there <laughs> so, you go. That, that, that should give you an idea. Yeah, I, I love this. This is exactly the kind of stuff that I absolutely love. And, and um, this was not a disappointment. And, and I did actually kind of go back and, and, and I just listened to like tracks here and there from the, the older uh, albums. And, and I think that you were right in choosing this one. I think that this was like the right place to start. Cause uh, the older stuff is a little bit, um, at least like going back to that first album from, and again, this is based on very little that I heard, but it's, it's a little bit rougher, a little bit more raw. It has a little bit, almost more of that kind of Mayan vibe that, um, that, uh, um, they, that, uh, that they would do, um, when, um, why am I blanking on his name? Um, when Mark Jansen left the band. Yeah. When Mark, when Mark, um, started Mayan, um, and it was kind of a little bit more of a heavier, uh, symphonic style, uh, than, you know, what, after forever or epica had been had been doing and and there's definitely songs that um that are that hearken to like what epica would become um but this is this is very different i i don't feel like mark's fingerprints are are still on the band at this point um it feels like it, at this point it's really um the rest you know the rest of the band's baby and and you know i i i can i can tell where maybe there was um a disagreement as far as the, the direction of the band, because um, I feel like Epica would really focus more on the, the, um, the, the really symphonic and uh, classical elements. Whereas I think after forever, while still symphonic was a little bit more, you know, a little more power metal, uh, more power metal than Epica, less symphonic metal than Epica, if that makes sense. It does. And, and that makes sense. Uh, Mark Jansen would leave the band in 2002. And, and it was really after that first album where things began to kind of change direction a little bit. Invisible Circles in 2004, Reimagined in 2005, and obviously this album in, in 2007. It was those first two albums that you know, I, I think I think Mark Jan. I'll say it this way: I think Mark Jansen and Sandra Gromans were, or Sandra Gromans were, like in lockstep for those first two albums for what it was. I think Mark wanted to kind of go in that same direction where Sandra wanted to pivot a little bit, and and that's why you got the evolution. And by the end, this was the sound. And, and quite frankly, I like it. I love Mayan, I love Epica, but this was different. And to me, I hear and, and a lot. I hear a bit of Within Temptation. I hear a bit of, obviously, Nightwish for obvious reasons. But there's just something so catchy and infectious about a lot of the choruses on this album that the first time you listen to it, it's stuck in your head and you feel like you've listened to it 15 times. And I say that in the best way possible. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that, honestly. Um 
it was funny. There were there were parts of this album where Floor was doing more operatic style vocals, and it made me laugh because I'm like, Floor sounds more like Taria on this album than she ever did in her history with Nightwish thus far. And, and, and is, I got it. It's crazy. And to that point. I love this album more than any album she has done with Nightwish. I don't want to say they're holding her back. I'm not suggesting that. But I think her vocal prowess is on full display here. Everything from the operatic style to just that powerful, clean style that she has. The songs lend themselves to her really just kind of belting out some of these notes. Whereas with Nightwish, there's so many different pieces to that puzzle that I, I, I it's almost like she's kind of – staying a, a little more reserved on purpose where I feel like she could be belting it out, but they don't want, you know, they want to kind of keep it confined. Whereas this, she goes for broke and just sounds phenomenal. And quite frankly, if I'm, if I'm Nightwish and I hear this album, she's, she's just a perfect fit for the band. Why would they, you know, after, after forever breaks up, why would they not grab her and, and, and tour around her and her schedule? It's, it, she's the perfect fit. And that's why I love hearing her sing some of the older songs, especially live, like you mentioned, because she really kind of belts out some of that stuff. Whereas when I was listening to human nature, not that the vocals weren't good. It just, the, the music didn't lend itself to her, her full vocal prowess. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it makes you wonder if, um, if she was available when, uh, you know, Nightwish was looking for a new singer, uh, if if she would have been chosen earlier, um, I guess. Uh, Taria left the band in two thousand and six, and this album that we're going to talk about today came out in two thousand and seven. So it, it's it's probable that Floor was still in after forever and after forever was still considering themselves an active band when Annette was chosen. But maybe, I mean, based on, based on Annette's vocal style, I mean, maybe somebody like Taria wasn't what Nightwish was looking for at the time, because it felt like they were, they wanted to go with somebody who had maybe a little bit more of um, a vocal style that, that more people might be able to gravitate towards. Whereas some people might have been turned off by Taria because it's kind of like it, it's it's very operatic and and maybe not something that everybody wants to hear. Whereas Flora, like you said, kind of takes both of those styles where she can sing like this really great, just clean but powerful uh, vocal, but at the same time do this really incredible kind of opera style in the vein of of Taria. So. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, not to talk about Nightwish for this entire podcast, but being that Floor is in Nightwish now, it just makes a lot of sense. And and I do wonder, like, if she was available, um, if if she try if she was gonna if she were to try out, I wonder if the band would have uh, given her any consideration. I know Elise from Amaranth sent them a uh, a demo um, before. I think that this would have been significantly before Amaranth's first album was released. So um, it's always interesting to see like uh, what, what might've been, you know? Totally, totally agree. Uh, let's get into it because this, this is, this is, it, it's funny. There's a lot of tracks here, but there are a lot of them are short. So they're kind of like quick hits except for one truly epic track towards the end. But the, the album kicks off with a song called discord. And quite frankly, I think it's like the perfect, representative track of what this album is uh 
it, it, there, there's orchestration here, but it's not quite like the earlier albums. This is clearly more melody driven. This is very mid paced, very heavy, and to me has a, a strong within temptation feel to it. And what jump out to me right off the bat are, are, are three things that thick, thick guitar sound, which would kind of permeate the album. The keyboards, which I'll get into more a little bit later, but they are phenomenal on this album. And of course, floor singing. And I just love that layered symphonic vocalist approach that they do. This, this is a, this is a really good song to open up the album with. It's not my favorite song on the album, but I don't know that I would have picked any other, anything else to kind of kick things off. Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, especially for me who I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really sure what what exactly to expect from this. And um, as soon as I heard the first track, I was like, oh yeah, if it's like this or if it's generally like this, then this is going to be a very pleasant experience. And, and it was, and um, they pepper in a little bit of those, uh, those growling vocals, but not, not quite as much as, as Epica did when they first started. And, and that when I was younger was a bit of a turnoff for me and why it took me a little bit longer to get into Epica. I don't know why I didn't just, listen to to after forever though when they were around i mean i'm i was aware of them um i just don't know i mean i guess there's just only so much that you can can ingest at any one time um yeah and yeah. this is also during a time where like i really started to to re um rekindle my love of heavy music a couple of years after after forever wasn't a band anymore so that's likely part of it too um but uh i'm, I'm just so glad that i got to go back and listen to this and, and like you said uh, this opening track is just such a great way to kick things off because um it's also like everything all the instruments are, are so um crisp and and well done like the drumming is really good um you, like the the orchestrations and the keys floors vocals uh, you know go without saying and like you said that really like heavy guitar um it all just rolls together and makes this really fantastic sound um yeah great great start to the album i, I enjoyed this song quite a bit it's one of my one of my favorites on the album Totally. Uh, I'll say, you know, in many ways, the band is kind of a who's who of, of, of musicians because everyone would go on to, to different things. At the time that uh, Juice Vandebrock was playing keyboards on this album, there was already that Star One connection. And what I was going to say is that when you listen to the second track, Evoke, that keyboard sound at the beginning sounds exactly like Star One. And I don't even realize that I put the two and two together until maybe this week that, you know, like... There's a reason why the keyboard sounds, you know, like are the same. Juiced, in my opinion, makes this album. And without the keyboard samples that permeate the entire disc, this would lose a lot of points for me because it, that is what makes it stand out from a lot of the other stuff. And, and again, the operatic vocals on this track bring me right back to Oceanland. Like, I mean, it's just Nightwish's Oceanland. It's just, it's, it's Oceanborn. I'm sorry, Oceanborn. It's, it's crazy to me. Um, that if you're Nightwish and you hear this track, you have to be saying to yourself, "This is th we need her in this band." I don't love the verses on this tune, but the chorus is so good that it almost doesn't matter, and it kind of just picks up that pace during the chorus. And, and what really I think makes this song pop more than anything else is that beautiful bridge at the end, where it's kind of just pianos and keys, which kind of offset the heaviness of the chorus. 
that it, it makes what's otherwise kind of a mediocre song really, really enjoyable. Yeah, I I, I agree that the uh, the chorus is what really makes this song pop. Um, like Flora is just when it's it's whereas like some singers when they go higher they lose some of the power and that it's not what happens at all with when with her and that this is just um reminding me of that and uh again like a lot i i agree with you that like just those um those orchestrations that that are just kind of um creating the background for uh for this song it, it's just so well done and yeah like um i i have to say as long as we're talking about band members, I have to give credit to the guitarist, uh, one of the best names I've ever heard in heavy metal, Boss Moss. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, you can't go wrong with, with, with that name. It's funny because Boss is actually the longtime guitarist for Doro Pesh, who actually appears on the album. So if you're looking for a connection there, Doro guests on this album, and then about four or five years later, he would go on the road with her and, and he's been with her for over a decade now. So there's a little, uh, a little, a little nugget there for, for those that uh, didn't realize the Doro connection. I have to ask you when I heard transitory this week, I, I, I have to think this, this is one of your favorite tracks of, of on the album. Am I correct in, in guessing that? Yes. Um, love the, love the just fast um, synth that kind of, kicks things off um at the beginning i just this is i think like really the first like speedy song on the album totally and uh i mean oh god i'm gonna sound like a broken record because i feel like i've been saying this a lot lately but i mean every song on this album is awesome like i i'm again racking my brain on um what i want to uh you know name as my my track of the week because um, they're all <laughs> they're all pretty worthy of that but um yeah this is just really like um and what was great was that i had a chance to listen to this um on the way to toronto um so kind of got to hear it in the car i got to hear it with headphones on today um got to, like experience it in a lot of different ways and um and boy i just enjoyed the hell out of it um no matter where or, or how I was listening, but yeah, this is, this is another one that I, I really enjoyed. And I like, you know, anytime, you know, me, like anytime something has that faster tempo, I, I, I uh, my ears perk up. I, I had a feeling Th- this song is a bit repetitive to me. I don't think it's the best song on the album. I think it has its place because I love the speedy, the, the, the speedy elements to it. But what really does it for me was the live performance of this song. I was lucky enough to see them once at Prague Power back in 2007. And they opened with Discord and they went right into this track. And I actually have vivid memories of them playing this track that never really clicked with me as much. And then I heard it live and I became, it, it like changed my perception of the song completely. Um, that performance, it was really them getting announced for the festival that got me into the band. I, I had not been listening to them prior to 2006 when, when it was announced that they would be playing the following year. Much like yourself, I had been listening. You know, my love affair with, with with metal had waned, but by the same token, I just hadn't listened to it. Right, like for whatever reason, I was a huge Epica fan by this point, but I had not really gotten into After Forever. They get announced, I get all their albums, and I become like 
instantly hooked. And, and I got to be honest, once they broke up, I kind of stopped listening because it was almost like depressing in a way. <laughs> just, it was like sure. they were dead and, and that was the end of it. And like, I stopped listening. So I, I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to this album, it may have been 2012 or something like that. So this was a real treat for me, but this particular song, when they play it live, uh, it, it is, it is, it is made, it is made to, to be played live and it goes right into Energize Me, which of all the songs on this album, this one gets stuck in your head and you just keep singing it to yourself over and over when you're in the shower, when you're at the gym, when you're making dinner. I mean, you just, you just, you can't help but like not love this particular song. And it's really short. It's only three minutes and 10 seconds, which by like most bands standards is exceptionally short, but this is so 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 good and so catchy everything with the acoustic guitar at the start the keyboard patches uh it's a bit paint by numbers but it's so awesome it doesn't matter this is it has this really simple but effective guitar solo towards the end and it just like i said it stays in your head i could easily make it my song of the week i'm not but i i I easily could this was um one of, this is the song that I, the only song I knew well going into this. Um, and that was just from uh, our mutual friend, Mike, uh, putting this song on one of his power hour uh, videos years ago. And uh, I, I forgot if I mentioned it last week, I, I might've, but 7.7 million views on uh, YouTube for this music video. Um, it's crazy. So, you know, a few people have heard it. Um, it's, I mean, it's easily the most, accessible song and probably there's a reason why they chose it as a single and to make a video for it but everything you said is absolutely true it's super catchy um it's and it's like to the point there's nothing like there's not really any like long solos or anything because it's like you said it's it's only three minutes and nine seconds long which is is either short for a metal song or long for a green day song depending on how (laughs) you look at it but uh yeah this is an awesome song um I I'm floored, no pun intended, that there's it's been viewed by seven point seven million people on uh, on YouTube. But man, the other thing that floors me is man, fifth, this was fifteen years ago. It's crazy. Um, time just flies, doesn't it? And uh, this, yeah, this was a good one. And and I didn't ever, even though I knew it, I didn't get sick of hearing it as many times as I did this week. So uh, yeah, good stuff. And and it's funny because the second the this single would come out March twenty third, the album would drop on April twentieth of two thousand seven, and then the band would wait five more months for the second single to come out. And, and ironically, it's the next track called "Equally Equally Destructive." I mention that because this, if you go to pick a second single, this this would be it. It has that heavy guitar crunchy sound at the outset. Again, the verses are are what they are. They're not the best but they're enjoyable for sure but the chorus is another home run to me this is a really good song and i and i understand why they would pick it kind of as a single this is probably the second most accessible track on the album just in terms of the song composition yeah i mean that opening riff i think is like really memorable and and it repeats throughout the song so like you have that sticking in your head but um yeah this this band they write such killer choruses like just so catchy and and then to have such a talented singer uh perform them but um this was good this is this kind of reminded me of like more of a just a kind of just traditional you know faster paced heavy metal song that you just want to headbang to and um 
I, I just think it's like much like Energize Me. This one's a little heavier, um, but it's 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 short and and to the point, and uh, it's another really good track. Yeah, and, and just I think it's worth noting, Sander Gomans and, and Juice Van der Brock write the bulk of the music on this album, and I think it shows their their songwriting talents are. I don't want to say underrated because all we're doing is gushing, but like they're really good songwriters because these are just tight, tight compositions. And I just, you know, each one seems to be like better than the next, uh, not least of which is Withering Time, the next track. Very, very operatic in nature. And, and this one really reminds me of like late era Tarya Nightwish and that early Epica sound, like right in that sweet spot of 2004, 2005, 2006. Uh, this is an underrated track to me, and it's one that I kind of forgot about a little bit, but Floor just stands out here so much on this mid-paced track. The, with that balance of the keys and the growls, I, I like this tune a lot, and, and, and quite frankly, it's not one that I paid as much attention to 15 years ago, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I kind of revisited this one. Yeah, this song I liked a lot. Um, just like it has that um... – that bridge that just builds and builds and builds and, and um, the, the orchestrations. And again, just like that, um, that, that keyboard uh, sound that juice kind of just layers over the whole song um, just puts, just ties the whole thing together. Um, it does. The, the orchestrations remind me more of Epica, whereas the vocals remind me more of early Nightwish. So I agree with you that it's kind of like a, a perfect marriage of those kind of two styles coming together um yeah this is another really good song i mean so far six for six what did you think of de-energized uh it 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 did just the opposite it it energized (laughs) me quite a bit i mean i guess after being energized in track four you have to get de-energized um you know so you can just start pretty much where you where you were in the first place um (laughs) uh again like this one opens up with just a lot of, uh, a lot of power. Um, you know, after like a little bit of a kind of like a almost Rhapsody ish, like symphonic kind of intro, like that's like a 32nd little intro. And then, and then it just blasts off and, um, not this album doesn't have a ton of growling in it. And I believe it, it is Sander and the parts where they, there are, um, but this is one of the songs where it's kind of peppered in and, and I guess the, the old, what they call it, the beauty and the beast, uh, style of the, the male grunting with the female, like smooth vocals. And it, it works really well here. Um, just another, it's another good song. And like, I, man, you know, it, it's, it just reminds me of this is like, I would have heard this song when I was younger and been like, oh, they're screaming next. And um, it's such a shame because now I like listen to this stuff and I'm like, damn, like it's so good. If you could just like get over the whole screamy part of it, which there's really not a lot of. You, when you, I, when I, there's just so heard, much to, to, there's just so much to enjoy, you know? I, I do. Although it took me a while. When I first heard this track back in 2007, I hated it. It was probably my least favorite song on the album. It's really, really dark. Really, really heavy, and and quite frankly, reminds me a lot of Mayan, which is interesting because there's really no connection there other than just that that sound. I guess I don't know why I used to hate it. I think I'm crazy. I love this song now. I, I don't know what was wrong with me. I've done a complete 180 on this one. Quite frankly, again, probably could have been my song of the week here as well. I, I I've 
I've, you know, sometimes you hear things, it doesn't resonate like it used to. This one, completely the opposite. Never liked the track. Now, one of my top three or four songs on the entire, on the entire album. Isn't that fun? It's the best. I love when that, Honestly, I lo- that's, that's I love when that of, happens. That's part of the reason I, I love doing this. And, and quite frankly, I think you could say the same thing about the next track, which Cry With A Smile is is the first, I guess, like true pow- you know, ballad on this album. It's kind of a power ballad in many ways. Very, very similar to early Epica here, in my opinion. And, and while you don't need anything else other than floor and the piano, which is kind of how this starts, the way it kind of gains steam as you go along with that powerful powerful chorus this song is perfectly written so simple so beautiful and i'm actually going to make it my song of the week because i just could not get enough of hearing uh the 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 way that this song just kind of gets comes together and that by the end by the end and it's not again it's not a long song it's only four and a half minutes just just about but by the end you are just like you're, you're in awe of the musicianship here and the way the song is put together Yeah, it's an amazing song. Um, it's uh, you know, like you said, it's kind of more. It's 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 got a lot of energy for a ballad um, because of I think like just the the orchestration is just really really powerful. Um, but then there's times where like it just gets quiet and and you just get to hear uh, floor. I mean, I, I I don't know that I can really say anything more than what you said. I thought you really encapsulated the the song perfectly. Um, it's uh, really just another fantastic track on, on a, on a really just <laughs> like we're, we're now at eight for eight as far as like great songs go. Not even, not even just a good song, but eight great songs in a row. I mean um, this uh, man, the, the, the chorus to the song, it's just, um, it's just so memorable. Just the way that the the notes are written, it's just so memorable. Um, really great song and a of great choice for song of the week. So, uh, yeah, good good choice. Thank you, thank you. Uh, it really picks up again with the next track, Envision. Uh, this is another kind of underrated song that kind of gets lost because of where it's placed on the album, buried towards the end. It's not extraordinary. I don't think that there's anything about it where I would say that's the reason I like it. I just think it's like a really good song. What it really makes me wonder, though, is I think about Revamp, which was the band that Floor would be in after after Forever. Those two albums never did anything for me. And for some reason, I just, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. Obviously, it sounds great, but there was just something lacking on those tunes where with this stuff, it, it all pops. 
I think we should actually go back and do one of the revamp albums because for some reason, I'm curious if I gave that another spin now, if, if, if I'd have a different opinion. Yeah. I mean, heck we could even do both. I mean, there's only two. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I just, I honestly don't remember that I listened to either one of them that, that, that in depth. Um, so yeah, I, I'd probably like to go back and, and give them another listen as well. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, I just remember I never heard anything that really blew my socks off, which is kind of weird to think because I, I feel like anytime you hear floor singing, it, it should be memorable. So, um, I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe we definitely need to, uh, revisit that at some point and, and see what's going on there. Because I mean, th- this is pretty much, um, the, this is what connects, um, Floor's time with, uh, after forever to her time with Nightwish is these two albums in between. Um, that was, uh, pretty much like, I think it was pretty much like her, her project. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think she actually wrote the music if I'm not mistaken. It just, for whatever reason, it never clicked. And I don't think I spent much time with either one. I probably listened to each one. I don't know. I can count on one hand the amount of times I listened to each one. But at the same time, you would think the recipe is there. But it could just be a songwriting issue. But I'd love to go back there. Um, what did you think of Who I Am? This this is the track that Doro uh, you know, kind of does her guest spot on. This is the first track for me where I can say I really enjoyed it. Nothing jumps out here to me. It's not bad. It's just... I don't know. It's a slow starter, a bit proggy, believe it or not, but it just doesn't seem to resonate like the rest of this disc. This, this one is a, a little bit of a demerit to me. Yeah, I disagree. Um, I actually really, once cry with a smile kind of ends and it gets back to, um, to being like real heavy again, I thought that these two tracks envision and who I am just really brought me right back into uh you know head bang and toe tap and just like ready to go again i thought that these were um i thought that they were well placed towards the end of the album especially right before a really long epic track but um i i envision just to go back to that the way it just starts out in a way that just like like immediately um like yes um i'm in and the guitars just immediately are just like yep let's let this is this is exactly what i want to let's do and the and it stays that way through the whole song and and this song like you said it's a little bit more mid-tempo but it's so well done and like the 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 
the uh, the bridge and the chorus just kind of uh, it builds. It's it's it and it's like this epic this epic thing with with um you know Doro doing guest vocals with uh, Floor, which is like a dream team right there. Um, I really, I actually really like this song. I'm surprised that uh, that you you didn't like it that much. I, I just um I, I think it's it it shows that like the band can go from, you know, fast paced to medium paced to, to, uh, to, I guess, slow paced. I don't know if I would call, yeah, I guess cry with a smile, we could say is kind of a, a, a low paced kind of song, but I mean, they just do all these song types so well. And like some bands are guilty of having boring mid tempo songs or uninteresting ones. I don't know. I thought I really liked it. I think that like that where it picks up with that, that bridge, it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like build, 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 and then I don't know. I liked it. Um, I, I I'm not sure where our uh, our disconnect is on this track. Um, I, I, but- I have a hypothesis, and and I think that part of the reason is because the next track overshadows it. Dream Flight is like for, on an album with a bunch of short songs. This one, all of a sudden, it's like let's just play a song that's eleven minutes long really really ambitious but it doesn't feel like 11 minutes this track does not drag at all uh aptly named i must say and i love the contrast here between like those heavy powerful choruses and kind of the rest of the song i don't know that i appreciated this as much when i was younger but between the operatic choirs the fantastic fantastic drum fills and i don't think i've mentioned uh andre borgman enough his his drums especially on this track were just absolutely outstanding and of course the full range of the vocal prowess which is on this you know full display again this is a very ambitious track but it doesn't disappoint nope it's it's fantastic i agree with you um it's uh it's very reminiscent to me of what nightwish would go on to do with some of their more kind of um epic length songs um i think of um last ride of the day or um greatest show on earth um or even uh you know it just it, it it's it kind of takes you on this journey it's never it's never boring it's never slow um really well done and and it's it, god it really just makes you wonder like what else this band could have done if they had stuck around because it really feels like they are they were hitting a stride uh with this album and and um you know after 10 really good songs to to come like throw in your 11th track as this 11 minute plus you know epic and 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 keep it interesting i think that just says a lot for the quality of this this band and and this album and uh yeah, speaking of um, Andre, uh, he would go on to do the do Trillium with Sander and and Sander's uh, wife, who um, you might know as uh, Amanda Somerville, um, who has um, done many appearances with uh, Avantasia, and um, her band is uh, Trillium, and I think that her and um, Sander uh, started it together, but. Um, you know, Andre, I guess, came along for the ride and, uh, he's, uh, he's their drummer. So, um, and I guess just to make sure that we are not missing any of the members on this, this album, I just want to make sure we've named We're missing everybody. one. And I actually am happy you mentioned that I was going to get there. Luke Van Gerven is the bass player on this album. I don't know that any of the bass parts jump out to me so much, although the low end 
in general here is very, very pronounced. But he is now the bass player for a band called Ex Libris. They have two EPs uh, based on Anne Boleyn. They came out in 2018 and 2019, respectively. Absolutely, positively fantastic stuff. And nobody is talking about this band. I, I hope that they're in the process of putting a full-length album together because I just happen to be a big fan of those two EPs. And he was also, I, I had no idea, but he was also the bass player for a band called Zeistus, X-Y-S-S, excuse me, X-Y-S-T-U-S. And they are, they couldn't be any more different than After Forever or Ex Libris, for, for example. Zeistus is a progressive metal band and they, they've come out with three albums, it, basically in between 2004 and 2008, and each one was better than the next. Um, and then they've kind of been dormant for the last 15 years. So I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but I just found it interesting that this guy was on in that band because I, I almost forgot about them, but uh, when I saw that he had been playing with Zeistus, it kind of like rekindled my 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 love affair for those those three albums. Yeah, um, I mean, I uh, I know maybe a track or two from them. Um, I'm more familiar with Ex Libris. Um, I just love them just because um, Diane Van Giersbergen is their vocalist, and and uh, I fell in love with her. Um, when she uh, did, I think she was the singer. I want to say it was the last Andrea album. I don't think they've done anything since um, she sang with them. Um, actually, I think she actually sang on. No, I think it was just one full album, Theater of Dimensions. Um, and, uh, you know, it seems like everybody who ever sang for that band seemed to have some sort of trouble, which makes you wonder, uh, you know, who who's causing the 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 uh, the ruckus. But um, sadly, I mean, that's a band that released some really good albums, especially towards the end of their uh, discography. And, and it was great hearing um, hearing Diana on the, that album. I thought she just really was a great fit. But um, yeah, the, those um, the and the and trilogy, if you will, um, they they released uh, these three um, EPs about three different ands in history: Anne Boleyn, Anastasia Romanova, and Anne yes. Frank. Yes, I forgot um, about the third one. You're absolutely yeah, right, but they're, but they're all great. Like they're, yeah, it's just it's, really it's really good stuff. It, it is really good stuff, and it's definitely worth checking out. It also don't you don't want to uh, confuse. So this they're based out of the Netherlands. You don't want to confuse them with the power metal band from Poland, whose name is Ex Libris, but with no space in between the X and the Libris. So another band that I happen to really like, but just <laughs> they're a totally that's a totally different type of. Uh, totally different style. They're definitely more of like a, a faster kind of power metal band. Whereas the, the Netherlands ex Libris is more, more kind of in the vein of after forever. Um, totally. Where it's more of like a symphonic um, situation, but uh, yeah. Um, one, one last track, um, not counting the bonus tracks and that's uh, empty memories. What are your thoughts on this one? I don't like this song. There's something, there's something, this is a really peculiar tune that kind of doesn't fit with the rest of the album. Very haunting. It almost has like a techno feel in spots. I, I don't know why I say that, but it's just kind of odd. It's not bad. It's just really, really unique. Kind of a power ballad in, in certain ways. Ends really, really interestingly, but like, something about this track is just a little off-putting and I can't put my finger on why. It's probably my least favorite track on the album, and I thought it was a peculiar end to the album. I'm going to lump it in with the one bonus track that I was familiar with coming into it, which was Lonely. 
a true ballad, which is outstanding. And quite frankly, since it was the last track on my version of the album, I almost didn't care that Empty Memories was empty for me because I had that other track at the end. Uh, but I, I was not a fan of this track, and I'm wondering if maybe it's just me again. No, this time it's not just you. Uh, it was probably my least favorite track, and it's, it's still a good track. I mean, it really is. It's just it's just kind of disappointing that the last track was the my least favorite, and, and obviously yours. But I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna say that lonely is the last track, then I'd say that's a better choice. This is another. This is probably the um the the mellowest most um emotional song even more so than cry with a smile it's it's um it's just entirely piano and floor and um, it's entirely awesome like it's just yeah. a really really good track and and it's funny because this album as i said it sounds so good it's 15 years old but on may 27th the band is re releasing the album with with Lonely and the other bonus track, Sweet Enclosure, which they've actually released as a single for the re-release of the album. I had never heard it until this week, and I had no idea the album was getting re-released until obviously um, I think they announced it like April 27th, which was probably right after we recorded our last you know our last episode. So very, very fitting that this album is getting re-released. Sonically, I don't think there was much to touch up because I thought it was damn near perfect. Uh, but I look forward to kind of just getting the, the re-release package and whatnot. I, I, it's just, it's a really solid album. Uh, and I, and just very timely because it's coming out at the end of the month. I have not heard your track of the week. So unless, unless you're going to throw us for a surprise and choose sweet enclosure, we got to go back and choose something else. Yeah. Well, I just want to say like, I think that, um, I think that this album finishes better with these two tracks at the end. Um, I think that like having, lonely as this like really emotional and beautiful like piano solo with with floor and then leading into this i think that this is a heavier song but i think it does a better job than empty memories to finish things off that being sweet enclosure um i think that this for those who haven't uh familiarized themselves with this album um get the new version and listen to it with these two tracks at the end. I think that it will flow. Uh, the end of the album will flow better, even if it means that the album is uh, a tad bit longer at, at just over an hour. Um, so that's kind of how I feel. I, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with envision for my, my song of the week. I just really, really love the way that the track just kicks in, but I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I think any of the first 11 tracks could have been my song of the week. I really, I like them. Throw them in a hat hat and uh, go with full on envision. I like it. Scale of one to 10. This is an 8.5 for me. It's not perfect. Although the bonus tracks are definitely improve the album. It doesn't drag it down. I forgot how good this album was. I don't know that I would rate any of their older material quite this high because, um, I don't know. It just kind of hit the the mood that I was in this week, so it was like the perfect fit, and that's part of the reason why I chose it. I had a feeling you were going to like this one. Where 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 does it fall for you? I am right there with you. Eight point five, I think, is uh, right right where it belongs, and uh, it it was just something that I enjoyed right away. It, it didn't need any growing, although it did actually get a little bit better each time. Um, but it was already starting 
as something I really liked right from the right from the first listen. So um, I'm glad that I I kind of, in all honesty, like I was kind of a, a little panicked uh, when you asked me what we were going to listen to because I I just I hadn't chosen anything. And then as we were recording our last episode, I got so engrossed in whatever it was we were talking about that I just forgot to think <laughs> of anything. So I was like furiously scrolling through my iTunes and. I must have gotten pretty close to the top when I saw After Forever. I'm like, you know what? Um, it's it's crossed my mind, and and it's, it, I've I've always considered it a a kind of a missing link, as you as you alluded to at the beginning of the of the episode. That was something that was kind of missing from my uh, my mind's collection, I guess, if you will. So I'm really glad that we listened to it. It was really enjoyable, and and I feel like a, a pretty significant gap has been filled and and i'm definitely going to uh i might go back almost in reverse uh chronological order and kind of see how the band um how it sounds going in reverse and seeing how they like I kind of gonna, do a more of a a, a de-evolution than an evolution I, th- I think you're gonna like some of that mid-2000s material as opposed to maybe those first two albums but i'm curious yeah. because I there's, a hand, you- there's a handful of songs that i am uh that I am familiar with um, here and there that I really like. Um, I have to say, I listened today to the cover of The Evil That Men Do uh, by Iron Maiden that they did on their Exordium EP. And man, that is a really so fun. cool uh, version of it. And, and I believe they played it when they were playing uh, at Prague Power. And I think on their US tour, it was part of their set list. I would have loved to have seen that. Um, I, very, I very cool cover. You. And they, Iron Maiden's not an easy band to cover. No, they're not. Unfortunately, unfortunately, they didn't play it at, at the at the at Prague Power. They they actually covered for Whom the Bell Tolls. And oh, I have okay, to be honest with it. you, that was awesome. Like yeah, they, they were imagine. really into it. That was that was fun. But uh you know, it's I I'm sad that you'll never get to see them. Then again, you saw Beast in Black, so I'm not as sad as I would have been <laughs> if you hadn't seen that show. But uh I, I do have a question for you, and this is this is uh, something I never thought I would say, but I, I'm going to say it. What do Eminem, Dolly Parton, and Judas Priest have in common? <laughs> I know the answer to that, and that is, if you can believe it, <laughs> all three are going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, for Judas Priest, I will say it is uh, a long time coming, and the Hall's got another thing coming, <laughs> and... Uh, it's if anything, this has to mean that Iron Maiden is not far behind. As big as Judas Priest was in their heyday, Iron Maiden continues to sell out arenas. I, it, they're the biggest travesty for not being in that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, as far as I'm concerned. And the Monkees. Well, I think that goes without saying. We, we, we <laughs> talked about that in the archives when we, when we did the Monkees episode. Uh, kudos to Judas Priest. Uh, I still don't understand what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is or what it purports to be, but kudos to them for getting in. Uh, another band that we love is finally, finally coming out with a new album, and that's Dragonland. Uh, signed to AFM Records, they are coming out with The Power of the Night Star later this year. I have a little doubt that we're actually going to cover that particular album when it when it's released. Um, anytime there's new Dragonland material, I am all in. I, I have to say, when you wait to put out an album the amount of time that Dragonland has. Um, let's see, that last album uh, Under the Grey Banner came out in 2011. Yeah. So this is gonna be I have a feeling that they're gonna pull it off because they're that good, but 
this is going to be like, I, I mean, people are going to be listening to this and, and, with very keen ears and when fairy if it's if it's anything less than great i think people are going to be disappointed i don't think that that's going to happen but i'd say that like an 11 year hiatus uh after coming out with i i think two fantastic albums one after the other in astronomy and under the gray banner um i mean they have very big shoes to fill even though they're their own shoes I, I agree. I, I think back to Fairyland, who finally got back together and came out with a new album. And to me, it disappointed. So, like, y- you have certain expectations. A lot of times they fall short. Halloween did not. I'm hoping Dragonland is more like Halloween and less like Fairyland. But we'll, we'll see. I, I just thought it would be worth mentioning because I think it's something we definitely have to cover. And one, one other uh, note, which is really, really interesting to me. Uh, a band that I love, a really dark heavy, uh, gothic-style band, Draconian, uh, is going back to their original singer, which is who's Lisa Johansson. Uh, She was on the band's first couple of releases that were fantastic. She kind of handed the reins over uh, to Heike Langens, who has been on the last bunch of albums, which quite frankly, uh, Sovereign being one of my absolute favorites, I I love this band. They can do no wrong, but I thought it was interesting that after 10 years, they're going back to the original singer, and it seems like it's pretty amicable. I don't get the sense that there's anything going on here that's uh, uh, infighting or anything like that. In fact, they're going to play a live show with both singers coming up, which I won't be there, but I wish I was. Uh, I really look forward to hearing new Draconian material sooner rather than later. Yeah, that's that's a really cool thing, and um, uh, I am not that familiar with their stuff so maybe we need to talk about them um at some point but uh they're on the list yeah based on the fact that um you were showing them a lot of love i I would say that there's a lot of draconian love going on here (laughs) at the metal exchange shout out to uncle knops um yeah uh this is uh, a lot of chock full of uh news not a lot of new music per se but um a lot of interesting stuff going on and and uh i have to say um, just going through my social media, I'm just seeing people back out at shows, myself included. And, um, it's great. It's a great feeling after the last, you know, two plus years of everything that everyone in this whole world ha- has gone through. It is so great to see people out having a good time, seeing concerts, seeing bands get out there again. And, uh, and while, the uh the pandemic did bring us together to do this podcast i'm not it makes me wonder if uh, there was no pandemic if we would have ended up doing this something tells me we might have but who knows um it, it was definitely a catalyst for it um but you know it's funny i think that's actually a great segue you talk about live shows you and i are obviously going to prog power in a few weeks and i think we would be remiss if we didn't speak about one of the bands who's playing but it's 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 a little more special than that because one of the albums in their discography is in fact what they're playing. And of course I'm talking about pain of salvation and I'm talking about the perfect element part one, an album that came out in October of 2000. Let me, let me tell you something. I, I I'm, I'm actually shocked at myself for not picking these guys sooner. Um, I, I think a lot of people have a love hate relationship with these guys. I happen to love 
some of their material, and I happen to not love some of their material. I'm sure we'll get into that as we talk about the as we talk about the album. But the perfect element was my first time hearing them as a band, and I'll and I'll tell you that story next week. But I, I think that before you either see or skip this set, you'd be remiss <laughs> not to listen to this album at least three or four times. Yeah, and I'm glad. I, I, I did mention to you that this is something that I, I really wanted to make sure I knew, for good or bad, um, going into the festival so that I can make an educated decision as to whether I want to watch it or not. Um, because they are right smack dab in between two of my favorite bands, Seven Spires and Stradivarius, that night. Um, but uh, if I decide that I love the album then uh, clearly i'm gonna stay um i am familiar with the songs uh used ashes and the perfect element the title track which is actually one of my favorite pain of salvation songs but um i'll be honest i do not know the rest of the album that well and um i have to say pain of salvation was one of those bands that was a real grower for me i i just could not get a grasp on them and then uh i think it was when um, when they were announced to uh, be playing all of Remedy Lane at Prague Power. I finally kind of just, or actually, it might have even been before that when I was going to see them um, in in New York. Uh, they played with King Crow and Imminent Sonic Destruction. If you remember that show, I'm pretty sure you were there with me. Um, yep, I just listen to what their set list was and a lot of songs like finally started to click for me. And, and I really started to, to start understanding the band. And so I would go on to listen to remedy lane going into Prague power and really enjoying it. So um, I, I do have high hopes for this or at least medium hopes for this album. I don't, I don't think that there's any chance that I'm going to outright dislike it. It's just going to be a matter of how much um, do I, yeah. How much do I like it? Do I, do I just think it's good or do I think it's great? So I'm cool. glad that you chose it. And, and if, I Spock's beard, to... if Spock's beard and Ivanhoe are any indication, you may think this is the album of uh, the album of the decade by the time it's all said and done, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not ready to say that yet, but it, sh- it should be fun. Uh, thanks everyone for obviously listening Keep the requests coming. We love we love the interaction. We uh, we know you're out there listening, which is awesome. Uh, like I said, we uh, we have some requests in the queue in the coming months, but keep them coming because if we have to, we'll do more than one a month um, just to make sure we get to everybody's. And uh, I look forward to uh, you know I look forward to uh, listening to the perfect element for probably the ten thousandth time next week, and and I'll listen to it a half dozen times. I, I'm sure. You didn't want to listen to Panther, huh? I. Absolutely did not. And quite <laughs> frankly, that uh, I'm going to get into it all because I, I don't know that we're ever going to do a deep dive into them. But after Remedy Lane, there was a change and we'll, we'll get there. I'll, I, I, won't, I won't let the uh, cat out of the bag just yet or the panther. Uh, so enjoy this week. I will talk to you soon, bud. Take it easy. All right. Take care. <laughs>